In life, there are two absolutes, death and taxes. But how do we as believers deal with death? How do we deal with loved ones who are dying? Death with dignity on this slice of fresh bread. Welcome to Fresh Bread, a podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church, Gainesville, with Pastor Brandon and Pastor Keith. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Bread, podcast number 32, Fresh Bread, where we're bringing the truth of God's Word to a starving world. And today's topic is a little bit serious and one that, well, we usually don't really want to think about until we have to, and that's our loved ones or even ourselves. Uh, When we're nearing death's door, what do we do? And today we're going to talk about dying with dignity, and we're going to talk with Pastor Brandon, and I'm Pastor Keith. And this is a serious topic, Pastor Brandon, and it's one that, like I said, we I think we've all either are going to or have. I know you have dealt with it with your dad and grandmother, and I dealt with it with my dad. And that's when do we let go? When do we say goodbye? And how do we do it? Dying with dignity. We Biblically, how do we do that? It is a big topic, and it's a hard one. In some ways, it's difficult to have answers. What we have to recognize is everybody, every person dies in a different way, and there's different paths that they take. You know, there's certainly patterns that as a, you know, if if someone is suffering a long-term illness that is terminal, there's a pattern that people go through in terms of how they die as they go through old age and they end up in that position of, you know, moving toward death. There's a pattern that's there. But even even saying that, everybody's a little bit different. For lack of a better way to say it, there's going to be some judgment calls that are made in terms of how you deal with it, how you deal with death. The main things that we have to recognize is that as believers, you know, that God, Psalm 139, God is the one who's formed us. He's formed our inward parts, and He wove us together in our mother's womb, and, and He knows us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he, you know, we are his workmanship. We have to recognize that as Christians, as those who are believers in the Lord Jesus, we believe that there is a creator. You know, we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. We see in Genesis chapter 2 that God has given mankind the breath of life. And so we need to recognize that. And we also need to recognize that Psalm 116 verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of Yahweh is the death of his holy ones. And so even the act of dying is a precious thing to our Lord. I think those are some principles that we really ought to think through as we make application to the dying process. Yeah, that's a good point, especially in the Psalm 139 you read. Yes, Psalm 139 would be the one that talks about him forming us. And then Psalm 116 says, Precious in the sight of Yahweh is the Mm. death of his holy ones. And so I think those two help form, begin to form principles that we can apply in terms of how we would go through the end of life. So how do we answer the question, what do you say to those who want to end lives quickly and painlessly rather than, than go through intense suffering before death? Well, it's understandable. I mean, I think in, and there's a sense that it's understandable. None of us want to suffer. None of us want to see loved ones suffer. And so it's understandable that we would want to bring as much comfort as we possibly can through that process. I think we have to be careful in thinking that through because 
there's a point where we become, we're trying to take the role of our creator. There is a point where, you know, obviously murdering someone is a sin. And so to end someone's life prematurely, I would argue, is tantamount to murder. And so that's basically what it is. It's no different than murdering someone in the womb, you know, that we were ending that life prematurely for our own reasons. Even if we might justify those reasons, you know, as an example, yes, I I don't want to see my loved ones suffer, especially a slow, miserable, painful type death. I don't want to see that. But that may be God's purpose. It may be his purpose in their life. It may be his purpose in others who see that. And it should give people pause, you know, when you have to deal with that. Because the truth of the matter is, is that in, in reality, in those, in those situations, yeah, we're saying we don't want to see our loved ones suffer, but there's also on the other side of that, I don't want to be put through that. Like, I don't want to have to deal with that. And, and because it's very difficult, it's a, it's, it's a hard thing. It's, it's, a, it's something that I don't want to have to see. I, I don't want to have to think about death. But if someone is sitting in that position and they're slowly ebbing away, I'm forced to deal with the reality that life is going to end. It's not, it's, and it's not, a, it's not necessarily this clean, you know, this, this quick thing. And, and I need to deal with that, and I need to deal with that reality. The truth of the matter is, is that we live in a fallen world, and, you know, we try to clean these things up. You know, when, you know, we send people off to the, to the nursing home when they get old, we send them to the hospital when they're ready to die, and we send them to the, to the funeral home, and they, they do their thing, and they clean them up, and they put them in a position where look somewhat natural. I mean, even though they don't really look natural, but, but you get the point, you know, they clean them up and they take care of the body and, and they clothe the body and they make them look as if they're sleeping so that we don't have to deal with the reality of death. You know, our ancestors, you know, had my, my grandparents, when people were dying, they had to be put in the living room and they, they died in the living room. And, you know, everybody saw it, the children saw it. You know, you brought up my, my grandmother. She passed away this past, early this summer, and I was there when it happened. I was there for several days before she passed away. I, I was there when she began to lose consciousness and go into that, those last, you know, days. And what was interesting is, as she was passing away, we were in the, she was in the living room in a bed that had been provided by the, the medical folks. So she was there, and we were with her, and the children were playing around the bed. And, you know, you might think, well, that's kind of weird, but it's beautiful because you have in, in the same picture, you have the end of life and you have the beginning of life. And I'm able to see this, and I'm able to process it in a way that, and hopefully, you know, from a biblical point of view, I can see the Lord gave life and the Lord takes away life that we're all going through that process, and it's all because we live in a fallen world, and, you know, that we're passing away is because of sin, and and sin brings death, and it's that promise that God has given that that's what's going to, you know, that's what he told Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die, and I see that vividly, and so when I start taking those things away, when I start prematurely saying, well, I'm going to, I don't want to see this, I don't want to deal with it, then all of a sudden it becomes unreal to us. It's cover, it covers up the truth, if you will. Yeah, I think when you look at death 
and what we do with it today, like you said, it's it's sent out the door. It's sent down the road to the nursing home or wherever assisted living, and, and it's out of sight, out of mind, and you don't think about it. And I think our society is, is definitely afraid of death. It, they don't want to talk about it. It's not something that you bring up at a, at a coffee shop or something. It's just not talked about. And, and, and as far as our parents, we you know when we're young, we don't think about death. What makes me nervous is is when I hear people say this. I don't I don't know how you would respond to this, but when somebody says, "Well, this isn't the way they would want to live. This is not living. They would not want to live this way." So, well, and that's again, again, that's understandable in 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 that we don't want to see suffering. We don't. I mean, the Lord has not. He, he hasn't made us to naturally enjoy suffering. And so even when we see a loved one suffering, we don't want to, we don't want to deal with it. But the problem is, is that again, again, and this is difficult because I, you have to have a certain biblical theology that says, you know, a, a th- biblical theology of death uh, that, that says that death is part of life, that suffering is part of life, and that, that both are a result of our sin, our sin nature. Right, I mean, because of the, the result of sin, there's been brought death in the world. You know, this whole you know death being introduced by one man, Adam, and that's you know Romans five, and so you know there is a there's a consequence to the sin. And yes, I think that I think that what what's happening is is people are trying to short circuit that and and not have to deal with it. Yeah, what do you say when somebody says, "Well, their quality of life isn't what they're used to, so we can't they can't go on like this." Well, and again, I don't think that that's, I think that you're right. I think that's why pe- people don't think that you should live in that way. But at, in, in reality, what's difficult is, is that from a biblical point of view, I mean, God has designed for us that slow, miserable, painful situation as hard as it is, and I'm not making light of it at any, at any level. As hard as it is, it is part of life, and and it's part of understanding uh, that you know James James chapter four you know James says that you know we're all a, a vapor that you know here today gone tomorrow and we need to understand that and and a part of understanding that is seeing people in in those difficult situations and the truth of the matter is is that if I anesthetize that if I go away and I say well we need to get away from that nobody wants to be in that position. Well, the truth of the matter is, I, I will tell you this for me, and again, it takes a certain theology to get here, and it's, I think, a biblical theology to get here in terms of what it means to die. But if I have to suffer a, an extra week or two weeks or five weeks or 10 weeks or 50 weeks, and in my suffering and how I suffer, it brings people to know the Lord, then it was well worth it. Yeah. Right? I mean, if I suffer, look, I, re- I recognize it's easy for me to sit here right now. I realize that I'm what I'm saying is is that it's easy for me to say this now but maybe more difficult when it happens but I trust that when it happens the Lord is going to give me the strength to live in such a way that I am a testimony to others. That's what I want to be. No matter what, I want to be a testimony to others and I, and if I get into a position where I'm I'm dying and I'm suffering and and it's miserable and it's slow and it it's difficult. I want to have that I want that to be a testimony if that's what the Lord chooses for me, mm. right? I want to face death in a way that gives a gives credence or gives validity to how I live. Even if I were going to the 
to a you know, if I were going to stand before a rifle firing line, if the if the Lord put me in that position, I want to die with dignity. Even in that situation, as I face that, you know, that that barrage of bullets, I want to I want to face that in a way that's that's courageous. And if I face a year of suffering or five years of suffering, then you know what I want to do that in a in a way that's that has dignity, but also has courage. You know, I think of you know uh, Johnny Erickson Tata who. You know, if you if you take this if you take this whole thing to its utter end, you know somebody could say, "Well, I'm I'm handicapped. I I, I can't walk. I can't. I, I'm paraplegic. I can't move my hands. I can't move my legs. I can't do anything. My life isn't worth living." Yet you look at a woman like her, like Johnny Erickson Tata, who has lived many, many, many years that way, and look at the look at the fruitfulness of her life. And so, you know, I can see somebody saying, oh, I, life isn't worth living anymore because I'm paraplegic. And so then it, they, it becomes, it's on their own terms, not on what God's terms is and how God might use your life. Yeah, because we're not guaranteed a perfect end to our life. We're not guaranteed to be able to live the way that we're living now. No. And I think some people make that mistake and say, look, I can't walk anymore. I'm in a wheelchair. It's time to end my life. Well, that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Many, many people contemplating committing suicide because life isn't worth living anymore based on what they expect. And I and the truth is, in a fallen world, I can't expect things to be perfect because because they're not. And, you know, I could I could walk out the door and get into a car accident and my entire life change. Mm. You know, I could I could walk out the door and contract a, some sort of virus or some sort of bacterial infection or something that that creates a whole different life for me. I mean, I just need to live whatever happens, whatever situation, whatever suffering comes my way, I need to live courageously before the Lord, trusting in the Lord, and understanding that those kind of things actually have the, have a function of bringing us closer to the Lord. But what's difficult, Keith, is that those who don't have a biblical worldview, I'm, I may as well be arguing, you know, whatever language is under uh, that, that they can't understand because they're not going to see it that way. You know, you have to have a biblical worldview and you have to have a certain faith that understands that this world is not it. There's, there's an eternity and I'm living for that eternity, whether I'm living for eternity in heaven with, with the Lord and, and dwelling with him forever, or whether I'm going to be dwelling in, in under God's wrath and hell forever. I'm living for that eternity, and so I get it. I mean, if I were in a position where I was an unbeliever, and you know, Paul says that they're dead in their sins and trespasses. They they're they're literally dead. They don't they have they have no dead men have no understanding of spiritual things. I get it. I mean, I understand what you know what that argument would be. If I were in their position, I probably wouldn't want to deal with death and suffering either. Yeah, one of the worst things I've heard, and I'm not trying to pile on, the late Pat Robertson, I'll never forget. Somebody asked him a question. My wife has Alzheimer's. She doesn't know who I am anymore. Is it okay if I divorce her and marry my new love? And he said, absolutely, because she is no longer there. It's not the same person. And I'm thinking, like, what? just listening to you, I think when our loved ones or someone has Alzheimer's, and it is a horrible thing to not have the memory anymore. I think what we forget as believers is that we're not here, life is not here to make us better or have the best life now. We're here to serve the Lord, 
And I think there's nothing that says love than serving your, your spouse who has Alzheimer's, even though she might not or he might not remember you, you're still loving them and you're still serving them until they go. You're still loving them and serving them, but you're also being a testimony. Yeah. You're, you're testifying to the grace of God that that you're depending on his grace, not upon what your life circumstance might be. And so when you are in a position of caring for someone who has Alzheimer's, who may not remember you, who may even, who may even lash out at you at times and not like you and, and just not be that person that they've ever, you know, they've been in their life before. I mean, but you're, that's a testimony of your love, your commitment and, you know, love, love, we've talked about it before, but love is an action, you know? And so I'm, I'm actively loving someone my spouse when I take care of them when in those situations, you know, and that's a, it's a commitment that we made, you know, that we made when we got married and, you know, for better or for worse. And it's a, I think that commitment, that commitment means something. It definitely means something to God, you mm-hmm. know, cause he, he takes our oaths seriously and it should mean something to other people. And I will tell you, it's a testimony also to our children. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have, I mean, not everyone has children, but you know, in the case where you do, it's a testimony to your children and to your family that you care for them. And by the way, if I'm caring for my spouse, that basically says I'm going, I'm going to care for my children as well. And it also sets an example that uh, for your children to say, this is what we should do for our parents. I mean, for those around us, you know, we need to care for them. We need to take care of them. In my family, there is no doubt, there's no doubt that if something happens to my children or if something happens to me or if something happens to my wife, that we are going to care for one another. We're, we're not going to run from that. And that is, that's how we should be. And it, it's just a testimony to the rest of the world as well that we are going to stand up for our commitments. Is there anything in the Bible that gives us the right to end our lives? Anything about mercy killing? No, okay. not, not artificially, no. What I mean is, is if somebody has, is not at that, you know, they're not at death's door, so to speak, and you do something like poison them or something that would create, you know, that that would bring upon bring about death artificially. No. Like not feeding them or um well, I mean that gets into there that's why I said when we first started, I think there are different situations and yeah. everybody 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 goes through a different process of dying. So at the end of life, people do get to the point where they don't take food, you know, as they're in that process of dying. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with not giving them food if that's where they're at. Like force feeding if Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, yeah. you know, letting the natural processes take take place. Again, we have to be I need to be careful in what I'm saying because because I think that if somebody's going through the natural process of dying, naturally they don't have a desire for food. Right. Right. And so you're not you're just letting that process happen. So I don't have I don't think that that's a problem biblically. What I'm what I do think is a problem is withholding care when there's life left. Like I'm I'm now withholding care when when if somebody's in the process of dying, we shouldn't withdraw things that are going to comfort them. You know, we shouldn't make them suffer more inordinately. I don't have I don't think there's any problem with you know, giving medications that are going to comfort, that are going to help alleviate pain. I don't think that that's a problem. I think that that's, that's fine. Again, I want to be careful because I want to give help. At the same time, I want to 
recognize that every situation is different and I don't want people to just have this, okay, this is how it's going to be and this is how it's going to happen. And when I get in that situation, this is exactly what I'm going to do because that's not, I don't think that's the right way to look at it. I think you have to look at every situation, you know, what's the process, what's happening. I think you have to ascertain where they're at in that process and you have to give care based on what, where they're at and what's going on. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all type situation. So at what point are we playing God when it comes to pulling the plug? Well, I think... What whenever <laughs> whenever we, like you said, whenever we withhold something or, like you said, poison or something. Yeah, that would obviously... I mean, we're, we're ending life yeah. prematurely that in that situation. I mean, if somebody goes through the natural process of dying, I don't think that that's something that is problematic. I think what we have to recognize is that many of the technologies that we've been given have not been available throughout history. I mean, it's not like, as an example, being able to intubate somebody has not been something that we've been able to do for throughout history. And so letting someone, choosing not to intubate, you know, if they're in a position of transitioning into, you know, into that point of dying, choosing not to intubate, the DNI do not intubate, wouldn't be problematic if they're in the process of dying. Uh, that it, I don't think that would be problematic. But what we have to recognize, and again, one size doesn't fit all, because if you have someone who, as an example, has gone through a traffic accident and they're not able to breathe, yet there's a, you know, there's brain activity, there's there's reason to believe that there's po- a possibility for healing, then absolutely we need to intubate and and do what we can. From a technology point of view, we need to we need to do what we can to bring them back and and have them. If we have the ability to do so, the technologies to do so, we need to do what we can to keep them here. But if somebody's going through the process of dying and they're in that position of you know either due to old age or due to disease, they're in a position where viable life isn't possible. Then there's no reason to intubate. Hmm. Well, that brings me to the next question. Should a believer declare themselves DNR or DNI? Well, okay. I th- again, that, uh, that, that's going to have to be a decision made by that person and the family. If I were in a position of getting ready to die, whether it be through a terminal disease or whether it be through old age, and I'm able to make a decision, I would tell my family that I would, just, I would rather die naturally then try to prolong something that is, I mean, I, I, there's no need in that. I mean, I just want to die with dignity. I don't want to die. If there's no, especially if I get to the point where there's no brain activity, don't keep me here. Don't try to, don't try to keep something out of some false hope that I'm going to stay because I don't want to be here anyway. I want mm-hmm. to be with the Lord. So I would not have any struggle with knowing that I'm terminal, just letting the natural process occur. You know, once you get past the point of once you realize, you know, the doctors agree, you agree that there's no need of continuing, you know, there is a point where you say, okay, I just want to be comforted. I know I, you know, I just want to be around my family. I just want to enjoy these last few hours and days that I have as much as I possibly can in that position. And I just want to die with dignity and I want to die with courage. I don't want to be intubated. I don't want to be resuscitated if I if I'm in that position because I'm not gonna 
because I'm dying. I mean, I, I mean, it's clear. Everybody knows I have a disease. I'm old or whatever. I'm, you know, that's what's happening. That's the natural process. And I don't have a problem with saying I want to go through that natural process. Mm. How about if a family member has a will or has wishes that go against our beliefs? Can a believer morally enact these? I would, I would probably, in that position, if I knew that was their will, I would probably tell them, you know, if, I, if, if they were able to communicate, I would tell them that this is not what I believe and what I would give them biblically what I think is the right answers. I mean, in terms of theologically, the right answers. I would communicate that. And I would ask that I not be, a, if, he, if he or she are going to go forward with something that is against my will, I would ask not to be involved with that. Mm-hmm. Now, I, if, you know, you, if, if it was going to be, you know, hey, I want, I want Cousin Joe to put the pillow over my head, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want, you know, I wouldn't go along with that. You know, I would, I would say, you know, that's, we're not doing that. I'm not, I, I would probably get authorities involved if that's what, you know, you're going to do, because I think that's, you know that's against the law and it's it's murder. And so even if it's what they want, it's murder. I wouldn't be a part of giving someone drugs. I wouldn't if I knew that that was going to happen and they were going to ingest them on their own. That would not be something that I would want to be a part of. And I would I would say that I would be against it. You know clearly against it. I mean those are difficult situations. You know I I will tell you I had a situation where when my father was passing was was passing. You know I did have you know, some people that were ready for me to, to make decisions that I wasn't ready to make. I had family members that were pushing me to make decisions I wasn't ready to make because I didn't, I, I still had hope that there was a possibility for a future. And he was in a situation where he was injured. So there was a possibility that he could come out of it because his other organs, organs were healthy. You know, that as he was going through that process, there was always that possibility. And, you know, I had people that were like, well, you need to, you need to, you know, he was intubated because it was an injury situation. Well, you need to you need to pull that out because it's you know he's done, and I mean that was kind of the the attitude. And I wasn't going to be a part of that. And I was and in that position, I was he he I did exactly what I think he would have wanted me to do. So it wasn't like I was going against his wishes. I think he would have done exactly what I did and how I handled it. So it wasn't a situation where there was a pro, it was problematic, but. You know, we had people who in our family who thought that that I took that too far. You know, mm-hmm. that I did that I kept him alive. You know, kept him going too long. And I don't think so. But but yeah, I was not gonna. I wasn't gonna be a part of ending his life too too soon. Do we try to extend the non-believer as as much as we can so that there is that last moment of the gospel? You know, I wouldn't try to artificially extend things to you know to a point of past a point of understanding what what or past a point of that you know they're, they're actually being life but at the same time and by the way I would I would say brain death is probably you know where we would say it I would say is is the mark of death you know where there's no brain activity now that that obviously has there's tests that they I say obvious there are tests that they have to perform you know physical tests different things that they can do to, to ascertain whether the brain there's brain activity and so you know, I, I think that's where a person is, is gone. You know, that I think the soul has departed at that point. That's personal opinion, you know, that I'm sure others could argue a different way. But, but I think that extending anyone past that point is, is worthless. And, you know, artificially ending somebody's life, you know, when there's, when there's hope, you know, someone coming back. Uh, I, matter of fact, you know, I've been in, in 
at least two situations with my grandmother before she passed away where, you know, they thought that she was on, you know, she was at death's door and she recovered and, and lived several more years afterwards. So, mm-hmm. um, so it, it, it can happen. And, you know, that's why we need to be careful in terms of uh, ending things artificially. Certainly, like I said, never would you induce death. Like, yeah. I'm going to actually make you die. So it's mainly, it's mainly taking your time and making these decisions. It's yes, not. yes. And keeping them as comfortable as possible during that, during that situation. You know, you don't want to, you don't want them to be, I, I, my personal opinion would be, I wouldn't want them to inordinately suffer, you know, be, go through pain when I've got the op- ability to, to help them with that. And that was my last question is, we've talked about dying with dignity and I just wanted you to kind of just walk through what is it to die with dignity? What would, how, what would that entail? Well, I think it's, we started out this conversation talking about, you know, God is the one who's formed us. He's the one who's given us the breath of life that dying, you know, the dying of his holy ones is precious to him. Um, I think that a dying, dying with dignity, we've also talked about courage and facing death. I, I need to be courageous. I, I don't, I don't have a need to be courageous in the sense of where I'm going. I don't have to, I know that I know I'm going to somewhere better than this. That's the promise that I've been given and it's what I believe. So I don't have to be worried about that. But it, you know, I think John MacArthur has said, has talked about the process of dying and that's not something that, I mean, I can fear the process of dying. And so but I should face that even, even in the worst of situations. I need to face that with, with courage. And so I think that's what, you know, dying with dignity would be, you know, and, and, but on, and on the other side of it, not, I think taking things too far would, would be less than dignified where I'm doing things to the body that, you know, like artificially keeping someone alive, you know, because I, because I just can't stand the fact that they're leaving. That would be, I don't think that would be a dignified thing to do. I think it's dignified to let somebody die naturally and, and comfortably, that it's dignified to do so with courage. It's dignified um, to understand who made us, and, and it's dignified to understand where we're going. Absolutely. I, death is something that is so hard to imagine, <laughs> but yet we're all going to go through it. Yes, and I kind of, I kind of have the same thoughts that Woody Allen has about death when he said, uh, "It's not that I'm afraid of death; I just don't want to be around when it happens." <laughs> That's kind of my theory, but but it is coming for all of us. We're unless unless there's the rapture, you know, we're all going to face it. How is that going to work? Yeah, I mean, I don't like I say, I don't think anybody is, is looking forward to the process of dying. No, and so. I mean, I, and I don't think it's supposed to be something that we're, it's, it's unnatural. I mean, I think we have to recognize that's why we hate it so much is because it, we think of death as natural because we live in a fallen world. But if you think of scripture and you think of eternity, death is unnatural that, you know, we didn't, we weren't born to die. I mean, in the, in a sense, I mean, obviously in sin, we are born to die, but there's a sense, I mean, it's appointed for man to, to, to die. And, then comes judgment. That's a promise. But what I'm saying is, is that de- death is not a natural thing, mm-hmm. in the sense of God, how God made us. God didn't make us. I mean, he made Adam to live forever. It was Adam's choice to to sin that that brought upon death, that introduced death. 
And so that's not a natural thing. And so, you know, that's why, you know, where Paul says in first Corinthians 15, death, oh, death, where is thy sting? You know, that, that, that death is going to be swallowed up in victory. And so that's the real, that's the reality is that death will be swallowed up in victory. That's the reality that we live with in, in, as a Christian. And so, yes, when we face death, it's, it's unnatural. It's a, it's a wrong, it's, it's wrong. I mean, death is wrong, you know, that we have to go through it. It's not what God, I mean, in a sense, it's not what God intended. Obviously, God has a sovereign plan that he's bringing to fruition. Sin and death was part of that sovereign plan in his decree, but it's, it's not something that we should see as, as what God ultimately intends. Well, this has been a serious topic, and, but it's a, it's a good one. It's a good one to have. It's one of our listeners uh, emailed us this question. So, and it's something I think it's good to know, it, to have this in your mind. And the wonderful thing is that as believers, those who have gone on will be reunited with them someday. So it'll be like a family reunion. Yes. It'll be I'm, wonderful. I'm very much looking forward to that time when I reunite with those who are in Christ. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing you up there, and you probably will ignore me, but that's fine. I, w- I will love you, and yeah. I don't know. We'll see. You've been listening to Fresh Bread, the podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. And thanks for listening.